You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. You know, when you go to resorts, you you get all sorts of invitations to different activities. Particularly when it's your honeymoon, they try and give you bottles of champagne and all sorts of stuff. And for Kristen and I on our honeymoon, on our first Saturday night into it, we got an invitation that we didn't expect. Uh, we were there, candlelit dinner, the whole lot. It was looking fantastic in the Fijian girl that was serving us, fuzzy hair and all. Uh, extended an invitation to us. She says, uh, tomorrow morning you come to my church. And um, we thought, well, fair enough, except I thought honeymoons, you sleep in all day and you don't go anywhere, but, you know, it's the Sabbath and it's our first Sunday off and all, so, yeah, we'll go to church. So we put on our Sunday best, got the thongs on, got the Hawaiian shirt, all that sort of stuff, even though I was in Fiji, and... um and walk into this village and no sooner, like we hadn't even seen the place yet and we could hear the worship, the spirit of it just pouring out the doors. You get to see this little fuzzy head kid. He's literally hanging out the side of the door going, you are my strength, strength like no other. And he's just, he's just ripping it. And we get in there. It's this great vibe. It's exciting. We, we sit down and. And we look around, the service starts, music like what we've got here, and the minister gets up, black thing, it was the Bible, gets there, begins to, to, to preach, and suddenly we realise that none of the service was in English. The whole lot was in Fiji, and, and yet we, uh, we, we, we stayed there amongst it, and as we looked around, there were smiles and there were gestures to come and sit next to us. There were little kids coming and looking at us and touching our skin and these whiteies that were in their church, and... Um, it was, there was just a wonderful, palatable atmosphere. And, and, and for the first time, Kristen and I were, were at, we were outsiders. We weren't the pastors anymore. We were outsiders and we realized uh, that the quality of our community will be the secret to our mission. That it's not so much the words that you're going to hear on a Sunday night, but the actions and the way that we interact with everyone and the way that uh, maybe you tonight hopefully are feeling some of that same sort of warmth and you haven't seen our worship pastor hanging out the door singing, this is my strength. <laughs> Look, that's why this time of year, often, uh, if you've been with us last year, you see that we, we talk about Christian community. We start a new series tonight called I Heart This Place. Uh, for anyone that's not Gen Y, that means I love this place. And... Um, <laughs> And the reason we're, we're, we're looking at that is because, sadly, I, I don't know, you may have friends that are quite sceptical of the church. You might have friends that have sat on the outside of the church and, and seen some of the perceptions of society and, and, and don't see it too favorably. Maybe, maybe you've even been on the inside. And sadly, um, you have experienced the behavior of people around you that don't reflect the heart of the God that they worship. And so it's always a challenge um, for us every year to come back. Guys, we're, we're not the, we don't claim to be the perfect church here, but to come back, I believe it's vitally important to come back to these first principles of why we do church and, and, and how we do church. And there, there would be no greater book to do this from than the book of James. The guy was Jesus' brother. He writes this short book of the Bible, which is one of my favorites because it's a short book of the Bible. And... And, and it's practical, it's gritty, it shows us how we do church. Last, year's, last year we did a, a series called Churchy, the why behind church. Um, I couldn't call the series Howie, the how before church. And so there's no better book than James to look at this. In the next four weeks, we're going to look at what there is to love about Christian community, particularly if you're looking in from the outside. And hopefully what you'll see in this book 
is that Christian community uh, can be a place of stability under the word of God. And we're going to look at that tonight. That it can be a place of equals where favoritism floats out the door. That it's a place of grace where arguments are subordinated to care for each other. That it's a place of caring where there's love and mutual concern. Not just when the needs arise, but before they even get there. And you see, the one thing in this church, this church with different chairs and different instruments and different people and a different language is that this fuzzy-haired pastor got up there and he had a black book just like mine. And what we saw in this church is what this passage will demonstrate to us tonight, that there's one thing that remains constant in Christian community, and that is the Word of God. Why is the Word so important? Because the Word of God, it's what gives church the sense of stability. In organisations where they're... All their policies and corporate values are changing all the time, depending on whatever the trends are. It's always changing, but the church doesn't throughout the centuries. The Word of God has remained. And so tonight, this passage teaches us why it's so important, because the Word of God saves. The Word of God affects how we behave. And the Word of God is what we should crave. I love to rhyme, don't I? I should, have, I should have wrapped it. I should have wrapped it. It would have been good. Why don't you turn open your words to James chapter 1, uh, verses 19 through to 25. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a person's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires, so therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and, and humbly, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And if anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, they're like a person who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at themselves, goes away immediately and forgets what they look like. But the person who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. When I was up at Erina over the Christmas holidays, I wandered into Dimmicks. Um, they're, they're a dying breed. They're as endangered as the Tasmanian devil is at the moment, and uh, bookstores, that is. And uh, I went into, uh, went up to the guy. I thought it was January, so I went up to the guy and asked him for directions to the self-help section. And he said, if I told you that, it would defeat the purpose. <laughs> Think about it. No, but seriously, I, I, I did. I went, went up to the self-help section, and one of, one of the uh, interesting things was that, um, that in and amongst the self-help section... Um, Whoever the store clerk was up there had placed the Bible in amongst all the other sorts of things, who moved my cheese and seven habits of highly effective people, and there was the Bible. And I thought, clearly, whoever the store attendant was, wasn't a Christian. Because uh, a Christian is someone who understands that the Bible is not a self-help book. A Christian is someone who looks at the Word of God and says, I can no longer live as how I want to live. I can't live anymore how I would wish. I, I, I can't help myself. In fact, I can't even save myself. You see, to be a Christian is to say, I don't need self-help, but I need the Savior's help. That's one aspect of it. I mean, two, like imagine going home, cup of Milo, got your slippers on the couch, open this up, new self-help book, open Gets right up in the first chapter of James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. I'm thinking that's not too uh, self-help. You're going, what the heck? (laughs) 
You see, the, I love the Bible. It's the most realistic book that you can buy in Dimmicks. You can buy it at Kurong too. And see, verse 21, James makes it perfectly clear that we're to humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. Now, what that means is to be a Christian is to allow God to cut across every area of your life with every aspect of his word. And that is that, that Christians know... Christians know that there's a difference between just understanding the Bible or standing under the Bible. Uh, there's a difference between both of those. There's a willingness to submit to the Word of God, which is saying my will and my desires are no longer my ultimate reference point, but I choose to stand under God's authority. Uh, hang on, alarm bells are going off here because we are on a head-on collision with our culture, right? When we say that, we talked about that the other week. It's a kindergarten cop principle that I'm not a policeman, I'm a princess. I'm my own person. I get to do what I want to do. Don't you tell me what to do. Don't give me another set of authority outside of myself. I'm my own person. Now, something I'm seeking help with at the moment is um, my addiction to AM radio. Because a young man of my age shouldn't be listening to so much of it, but I am a 2 ue addict, and, uh, and so much so that I actually ended up waiting on the phone the other week, uh, listening to 2UE to John Stanley, because the guy had, was talking about a particular contentious issue in society at the moment, and he, he said, I just wish churches would, would stop spending so much of their resources picking out passages of the Bible and beating people around the head with it. And I'm thinking that's, that's probably the perception that a lot of people have of the church and the way that we use the word of God. But see, good old Johnny boy, that's what I wanted to say to him, except I got cut off for the eight o'clock news. Um, <clears throat> you see what, see what John's really saying here? John's saying, I wish the Bible would stop cutting across my opinion. I'm my own. I, 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 I've got the right now to believe whatever I want to believe. And my question is tonight, have you got a John Stanley view of the Bible? You know, there's a lot of good stuff in it, and yeah, it's good, and if you're Christian, you can believe everything in it, but you know, 50 years ago we believed this, but now we're modern people, and we can't possibly believe that because it's archaic. We can't expect that anymore. We've got the right to believe whatever we want to believe. Now, see what he's doing, and see what you've done if you think that way. You're seeking to understand the Word, but you're not standing under the Word. You're not allowing it to cut across your opinion. And so my, my question is, what will you stand under? I mean, if, if, if the Word of God is not the ultimate guiding authority over your life, what is it going to be? Is it going to be science? We can't only know what we know. We can't know what we ought to know. Is it, is it going to be culture where 100 years ago things were universally acceptable that today we just go, that's absolutely crazy? Is it, is it going to be society and political correctness and the trends that are changing just about every week these days? Is it going to be yourself? I look at myself three years ago and I think of things that are just so different today that I can't possibly trust myself back then. What, what is it that you're going to stand under? Now, when, when, when you choose not to stand under the word of God anymore, you know what you're doing? You're making up your mind as to, in terms of what is true and what's inspired and what is real and what is truth. And what you're saying is it's you. It's, it's your mind and your perceptions and, and your heart. And you see, whenever we step out from underneath the word, what we're really saying is, Lord, at this moment in time, I trust myself more than I trust your word. I want to be my own guiding principle. And if you're Sam Haddon, I keep asking, I can't trust myself with that. <laughs> I'm still listening to AM radio for crying out loud. See, another thing that John is saying, he's saying the problem with you Christians is you've always got pat, pat answers. You've always got pat answers. You're pulling out a bit of the Bible. You're always giving me a pat answer. And that is a pat answer because... The Bible, Christianity says the Bible's got lots of, lots of different simple answers. They're just hard to apply, 
right? A lot of the Bible is simple, it's just hard to apply. And because the Bible is always more nuanced and subtle and complicated than people that just don't want it to cut across their opinions. And so what I'm trying to say here is that the mark of a healthy church, you must be willing to submit underneath, stand under the authority of the Word of God. Not just because the Bible says so. I'm going to get to that in a sec. Now, of course, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that self-help is a bad thing. And, and I, I mean this seriously. If there's aspects of the self-help section that have enriched and, and built up your life, that's a wonderful thing. But here's the thing. If who moved my cheese becomes your ultimate reference point for how you're living your life, then that's where Houston, we've got a problem. James is saying there's a choice, and that is to humble yourself under the words of others or to humble yourself under the word of God. Simple as that. You need to come underneath the word. The word can save you, and it's a humbling process to do that. But also the word changes how we behave. It begins to, to rewrite who you become. In, in, the, uh, in the great movie, The NeverEnding Story, of which you've all heard me quote from time to time, the young warrior prince Atreyu comes up against some of his greatest challenges against the nothing, which was sweeping Fantasia. He had to forgo a series of grueling tests, one of which included coming up towards the mirror gate. There the young, good gnome or old-looking gnome says, this is the worst one that's coming up. Next is the magic mirror gate. Atreyu has to face his true self. And Falcor, the magic dragon, of course, says, well, that won't be too hard for him, will it? And the scientist says, oh, that's what everyone thinks. Kind people find that they are cruel. Brave men discover that they are really cowards. Confronted with their true selves, most men run away screaming. What I'm getting at is the, the Bible is like the gate of mirrors. The Bible is a place where you come to face your true self. And unlike in Atreyu's story and the many men that had gone before him, it's not a scary place to be. In fact, it's one of the most uplifting and wonderful places that you can be because the Bible, like the Gate of Mirrors, the place where you see your true self is not something that we should fear. It's a place that if we stare long enough into its words and its chapters, we begin to see, you begin to see who you really are. A kid of the king, a spiritual stone being built up together, the, the temple of the living God, the light of the world, God's treasured possession, heirs to the kingdom, the subject of a universal rescue. This is all the hints that these chapters of this incredible book give you when you step into it. <laughs> and, and yet, we go to Woolies, and we've been more inclined to pick up a Cleo mag <laughs> and get the next five best tips on how you can be the best you you can be. Right? My, my, my question is, whose words are you going to come underneath? The words of Cleo or the word of God? Look, what does James mean when he says in verse 22, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Because those who listen to the word but do not do what it says are like people who look at their faces in a mirror and after looking at themselves go away and immediately forget what they look like. It's a Michael Jackson principle. I am looking at the man in the mirror. <laughs> I'm asking him to change his ways. Um, no message could be any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. Right? Amen. You see, uh, what, what, what James is saying there is that we live at the mercy of our ideas. We, when we look into the word of God, we are forced up against this mirror that says, if you want to make the world a better place, you need to look at yourself and make a change. You need to begin to remember who you are 
And that is because we live at the mercy of our ideas. We live, you know, pretty much what we think determines how we live. And that is that our action always flows from our belief, what we believe. I mean, if I believed I could fly, I would be jumping off a heck of a lot more buildings. <laughs> okay, our action flows from our belief. And so when we dive into the word of God, it strengthens our belief. It strengthens our actions. And at every turn of the page, the wonders of the scriptures say, in understanding your true self, when you look into that mirror, that friend, you, you think that you're a caterpillar, but when you receive this word that has been planted in you, you become a beautiful butterfly. And if you're a butterfly, what are you doing crawling around on the ground, eating grubs, eating leaves? You've been irrevocably changed, so act like it. The word is a place where you discover who your true self is. And it changes how we behave. And so here's, here's the question. If we're asking, you know, what does that look like on a Sunday? If the quality of our community is to be the secret of our mission, then if we're to become an authentic community of genuine love, we, we love not because our pastors tell us to love, but because in those pages we see that we are unconditionally loved. And for the first time, we can move out into the wonderful freedom that means we no longer steal our significance. We no longer steal our own sense of self-love from manipulating other people to get our own way. And for the first time, we can genuinely love others. We love not because we have to, but because we want to. If we want to be a community of genuine acceptance of all, we, we read the gospel and we see that the, the God of the universe makes no distinction to us. Uh, no distinctions between races or ethnicities or socioeconomic status on the basis of relationship with him. So then who are we to make those sorts of dis- the, the distinctions in the church? Guys, therefore, Christian community works not because we wrote learned patterns of behavior, but because we're constantly reminding each other who we really are. The word not only saves, it changes how we behave. Are you, are you looking to a Cleo mag or men's health <laughs> for your identity? Uh, well, the word not only saves, it changes how we behave, but finally it's what we should crave. The Bible, when we come to the Bible, one of the great questions, and something you might have to deal with this week is, well, why should I even pick the thing up? Isn't it just an aspect of the Christian life that I have to do? It's boring. And it can be at times. It takes work to sort of get into it, but... Verse 25 shows the marks of an individual in a church that has been saved by the word and behaves by the word and craves the word. You see, in verse 25 of this passage, it talks about the way that the person is to look intently into this perfect law. It says, but the man who looks intently, or the woman for that matter, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it will be blessed in what they do. Looks intently into the perfect law. Intently into the law. You see, it's what it's saying there, it's the mark of a Christian to delight in God telling them what to do. Isn't that what Kieran was saying? At the part of her, her women's stuff, that favorite verse in, in, in Psalm 1 where it says, Blessed is the person who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, but whose delight is in the law of the law, Lord. And, and, and on his law, they meditate day and night. They're like a tree planted with, with streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do, they prosper. The mark of God's cravers, if you want to be a little craver tonight, is that you love having him tell you what to do. You delight in his laws. And there are two words here worth unpacking quickly. The first one is the word intently. 
the second one's his perfect law. You see, it says intently. It's the same word that, that is used when Peter goes to the tomb after Jesus has been resurrected. And he goes in and Peter stares into this tomb and he looks intently. Now, do you think Peter's reaction is sort of the way that some of us can read our Bible from time to time? That's nice. Now, what else have I got on my agenda? <laughs> he wasn't doing like that. His mind was going crazy. All these faculties were, were all over the place. He was analysing and he was thinking. He's like, here's clothes, but there's no Jesus. And, and what, what does all this mean? It's empty and I need to tell the boys. And what is happening? There was an intensity and he studied and he was just, he, was, he looked intently. Guys, um, it's where God's convicting me tonight with his own word. How often do we do that? How often do we pick a verse apart? How often do we, we, we dive right into it? Well, we often go for so many other things to get our sense of identity. And that's why uh, when I was a kid, it's all about balance, you see, because I had this guy that used to come around in a van. He wasn't a guy, he was a giraffe. He was called Happy Harold. And Happy Harold used to come around in the Life Be In It van. And uh, the Life Be In It van was fantastic. And Happy Harold would come around and he would teach me all about the good food pyramid. Right, the good food pyramid, it looks a bit like this. We've got one up on the slide just in case uh, you need to know what it was like. And so there are all your various servings with your carbohydrates down the bottom and your fruits and your sugars and your oils and your sweets up the top. And so the whole point was to consume these foods in a certain ratio. I think one of the challenges, I don't know about you guys, when I come to the Word of God is that I don't consume it according to the Happy Harold food pyramid. I made one up for you. Here we go. Bit hard to read, but it starts with the Word of God as your base level of your spiritual diet. And then you could, if you've done that, move into your books, in your devos, that means devotionals. And then even from that, you can get a bit of sugar and sweet candy in the sermons that you could listen to every now and then. You know, see, often, I don't know about you, but we invert it the other way. We're always looking for the latest and funkiest blog and sermon and all sorts of stuff. And the reason why we're not looking intently into the Word is we're not eating the way that Harry Happy Harold would want us to be (laughs) eating the Word of God. Intently, intently. And then we read that we look into the perfect law of God. Why would I? Until you begin to look into the perfect law of God, you'll never be truly free. It says in here, the perfect law, law which gives freedom. Freedom makes no sense. Makes no sense that, law, sense that law would give freedom. I mean, if you went to go and park your car on the street and one half of the street uh, had all this free parking that was happening there and then you go to the other half of the street and there's all these massive signs that say no parking, you'd feel that you're only half free, right? <laughs> because the modern person thinks that I am only ever free when there's the absence of all restrictions. Modern thinking says I'm free unless there's no restrictions on me. I've said this before, guys. John Stott says that biblical freedom, true freedom, is not the absence of restrictions, but the presence of the right restrictions. Now, when you look at the Bible, what what does that mean for you? It's like my manual for the Mazda 3. I mean, I, I, I have my manual for the Mazda 3, and if I pull it up to the back, it says that I have to service the thing every 10,000 kilometers. That's like half as, uh, twice as much as a Holden Cruise. It's ridiculous. I'm going to service this mine two times a year. And see, it's at that point that I say, I have a choice. I'm free. I I'm, I'm refuse to have the manual place its, its restrictions upon me. You know what? I'm not going to put oil in that engine. <laughs> and I can keep doing that. But there comes to a point in which uh, if I don't keep putting the oil in the engine, the thing's going to seize and come to a grinding halt. Or I can obey the manual, I can put the oil in, I can carry out all the instructions that are required by the Creator. 
Guys, the Bible is the operating manual for life. (laughs) Many of its passages talk about the way in which you need to service yourself every 10,000 Ks when you travel through life. And so when the Bible says you must forgive, although everything within you says, I don't feel like it. And you know what? In fact, I'm free not to forgive. And I'm going to harbor up this bitterness. You know, in fact, in the long run, you are denying the engine of your life, the very oil that it needs to stop itself from seizing up. What looked like an ultimate freedom actually leads to the restriction of your freedom. Why? Because you're created in God's image and God is a forgiving God and that's not how the Creator designed you to be. Freedom is to discover what you're meant to be and to operate according to the owner's instructions, the Creator's instructions. Are you doing that in your life? It's more than just because we have to, it's because we want to and it leads us into a greater freedom. Guys, the world is operating outside the manual of God and they are dealing with all sorts of service issues from time to time. And if we're, you know, I see the churches, we should be the sort of dealership that comes out with cars that aren't necessarily perfect, but at least they're half running right. You know what I mean? There's no sort of smoke rings coming out the back of our exhaust and and all that sort of stuff. We're, We're a people that is looking intently at the right restrictions on our life. And seeking to live in accordance with the operator's manual. If you're saved by the word, if you behave by the word, it's because you crave the word. Do you crave the word? Are you eating it in right balance tonight? So that's it. James says, go be a doer of the word. Nike principle, right? Just do it. And somehow it's not that easy. If you've been a Christian for a while, you go out and you go, you know what, I, I don't do it that easy. Paul, even the great apostle Paul himself said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I am doing, I don't want to do. It's difficult to just go and do it. You see, you need to see something else in the word. And what is that? You need to see that was, there was only ever one person who ever kept this word, this perfect law, perfectly. And his name was Jesus Christ. He was the only person ever who never forgot the word, who looked into the mirror and never forgot who he really was and still did it. When you look into the word of God this way, you you shouldn't just see yourself, but you need to see the one who kept that perfect law. Why? It's because if if, if you don't, you're going to feel condemned. Romans 8 says that that anyone who is in Christ um, uh, doesn't feel this condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's because this man who kept this law and did it perfectly went to the cross and took the penalty for our law breaking. You know, there's either two ways to keep the law. Either you keep it or you pay the penalty for breaking it. And Jesus Christ comes in and he lives his perfect life and he not only keeps the law, but he dies our penalty for those that didn't keep it. He kept it. And he also paid the penalty. Jesus Christ took our curse for our law breaking so we could take the blessing that his law keeping deserves and only guys when you look into the word and see the only one who ever kept it perfectly for you trust in him place your faith in him may you be able to look into this law and see perfect freedom not condemnation it's a little bit more than just do it and so my question is tonight are you looking for a place of stability in your life you're going to find it in the word of god this church has changed over the years it will continue to change over the years but there's one thing that won't and that is our commitment to standing underneath the word of god because god's word is the only authoritative presence in your life that won't oppress you it'll liberate you it'll send you into the freedom from which you are created what does that look like for you practically this week real simple have you joined a bible study have you joined a connection group 
Are you in community under the word? You can sign up tonight. You can be a part of it tonight. You can know, you know, you're going to discover something incredible here. Not just the power of the gospel to create community like we've got here at Northside. But that our unity as a church is not a uniformity. We are different. We are so different. But we're not a common interest club here. We, are a, we have a unity and commitment to stand underneath the owner's manual for our lives and progressively discover who we really are. And that, friends, hopefully, hopefully, as it already has, will make us and our community a place of stability. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come back to first principles tonight. We humble ourselves under your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in that. And Father, for all its nuances and the questions that come out of that, Father, we thank you that in the midst of that, uh, they all arise so we might process that with one another to progressively know you more. Lord, help us to continue to be a church that uh, regardless who walks through these doors, uh, we ooze and exhibit the love and the authenticity that can only come from gospelized community. Father, help us to be in obedient in all that we read this week by the power of your Holy Spirit. Move us into ever greater depths of relationship and greater understanding of who we really are as we flick through its pages. And Father, may this place, through all its ups and downs, have the confidence and the boldness to know we will always be stable. So long as we come back to the words on those pages, not every week, every day of our lives until we meet you face to face. We pray this now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.